Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible, just like your family treats you. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. The same two guys. Every time there's something about me, it's the same two guys. I was 15 feet away in the locker room for you, from you, for years. If you had a problem with my leadership, come talk to me. If you have a problem about the way I'm doing something. Or if I said something you didn't like, come talk to me. This is, this is years later now. They haven't been in our locker room. And it's the same tired stories. Thankfully, and I really, truly, truly appreciate my teammates for backing me up. But they're just telling the truth. All right, they're just telling well, well, their experience sorry, Aaron. Me and the truth about who I am. Have some respect. Sorry, I jumped over Have some Aaron Rodgers. He, t- he took Rogers, a very dramatic pause Lots there. Lots of pauses, yeah. yeah. He does not sound... He's so mad and worked up, he doesn't sound like himself. So, um, it was ESPN Wisconsin that did the interview with Aaron Rodgers and our friend, Jason Wildey, on the line now to discuss Packer drama with Aaron Rodgers. Hi, Jason. How are you? Who do you think you are, Greg Jennings? I know, I know. Interrupting I, him like I, that? I, I, I mean, come on. I Jermichael Finley'd him. Yeah. I, I just, you know, you know what? He's so full of himself, Jason. I was like, I don't care what he says in this last sentence. <laughs> so that's that's why him and Judd got along so well. You know, we, oh Jennings and oh yeah, we were peas in a pod, no question about it. I, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking of you, Jason, just from a uh, reporter's perspective of like this is supposed to be a time between. You know the uh, the end of the season and the draft, where you you know I'm not saying that you take it really super easy, but you know usually you don't have to cover too many big stories. And then you have this uh, explosive article fl- from Bleacher Report. So give me um, the reaction there when it dropped to um, the the Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy story. Were, were Packers fans looking at this like, uh, yeah, we've heard this stuff before, or were they amazed at some of the anecdotes in the piece what was uh, the general feeling uh well i think it was all those things um look i and and judd and i have uh have done this journalism thing for a really long time and because we're old um and i i am really not a big fan of dumping on other people's work i think journalism is that a ch- and look we don't 
we don't cover the White House. We don't cover the presidential nominees or the uh, people that are running. We don't cover state government. We cover sports, and I get that. But I, I think it's really important that we make sure that, A, we don't uh, kill each other with uh, how we react to different stories, but, B, that we make sure we get it right. And I think in this story, there were some things that you were like, okay, this is this is what we've thought, we've heard rumblings of, and there's some confirmation here of the issues that the coach and the quarterback had, which I'm sure Vikings fans who have dealt with plenty of their own drama over the years enjoyed seeing. Um, there are some inaccuracies. Um, you know, I, I don't know for a fact whether Mike McCarthy missed any meetings at all because he was getting a massage. But I can tell you this, in talking to a few people after this, I know he missed some meetings that were not team meetings and that those happened in like 2012 and 2013. So those are details that probably need to be included. And when the anecdote is told, that's obviously a very explosive accusation. Um, But then later in the story, it's suggested that maybe Aaron Rodgers made the whole thing up and these things didn't happen. You know, from a reporter's standpoint, I'm not sure you can do both those things in the same story. The same with this phone call that Mark Murphy made to Aaron Rodgers in which he says, don't be the problem. Now, in the the article, it says uh, that is according to a source close to the team. Um, That would seem to me to be something so explosive that you probably need more than one source and you probably need to talk to the two people that were actually on the phone. And if they deny it, they deny it, but you actually have to talk to them. So those were the two, those were things that obviously got a lot of people's attention. But my issue is, is that I think if the story and Judd, I'm curious how you view it. I think if the story just focuses on the dysfunction between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and their inability to, figure out a better way to coexist, then I think the story is hard to refute for the quarterback because I asked him point blank. Uh, I know there's some national folks who think that uh, I lobbed too many softballs at him, but I asked him, do you win more games if you and Mike McCarthy do a better job of handling your relationship and your egos? Because he had acknowledged earlier in the, in the conversation that they definitely had issues, there's no doubt about it. And he punted on that answer. He basically said, well, if you believe that it's the coach or the quarterback, that's fine, but I think it's more about the team. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. but that, he had a chance there, and he did not. So that, to me, is a tacit acknowledgement that their issues prevented them from winning more. I would also add that, and, and if I could do a shameless plug, we, we, are, we have posted the entire 90-minute interview at ESPNWisconsin.com if, if Vikings fans want to listen or uh, be annoyed by the opponent's quarterback or whatever. But it's interesting that throughout the entire interview, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he says some very nice things about McCarthy and talks about how folks in town, since he's still here, should be respectful of him. But at no point in the interview does he say, God, he was a great coach, or he really made me better because of this, that, and the next thing. Or what a great offensive mind. I love playing for him. He doesn't say any of those things. And if you know Aaron Rodgers, uh, he uses truth as something of a weapon. And I don't think he lies, but I think you have to be able to catch his inferences and the things he doesn't say. I think when he talks, 
it's as much about what he does say as what he doesn't say. And he acknowledged that he shouldn't have ripped the game plan and McCarthy publicly after they beat Buffalo in week four. And he also basically doesn't say anything about Mike McCarthy, the coach, only talks about Mike McCarthy, the person. So, Jason, how much of this, too, was the inevitable um, tiring of each other that comes from a coach and a quarterback who have been tied together this long, who don't uh, obviously work for the Patriots? And, and I mean, this, do, this does seem, it's juicy, but in many ways, this seems like a divorce that was bound to take place and probably sh- should have taken place a couple years back. But we all know that, that if you go into a locker room or call former players and talk to enough people about a star QB, QB <clears throat> Brett Favre, that some people are, don't like that guy. So how, how much of this juiciness is real, and how much is just McCarthy and Rodgers were tied together for a long, long time, and eventually, especially with quarterbacks, things are, event, are going to start to go south? Yeah, it's... It, it is. It's a relationship. It's a marriage. And I know you and Dawn have worked very hard to be together as long as you have been. I assume she's done most of that work. I'm the McCarthy um, there, yeah. And, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I would I would say that, that any relationship, um, even as good as it is, and you know, we both married up and did a pretty good job there, um, I think it's important that you work at it. And I think these two... You know, whatever waxy buildup there was and the frustrations that Aaron Rodgers had, eventually, I I don't think he worked at it as hard as he probably needed to. And I think that some of those parts about in the story about Mike McCarthy and his work ethic are valid as well. So, you know, that's my biggest thing is that I think all, you know, whether it's Rodgers' reaction or some of the other anecdotes in the story caused people... You know, we, we're not big on nuance these days. Right. Um, I think I, I think there's there's a lot of truth in that story, and I've never questioned that fact. And I just think that people haven't maybe paid as much attention to the truth involved because of all the other stuff that maybe took away from it. How much is this tied to? And and this was broached, but I didn't think it was uh, fully explored. How much of this is tied to the fact that Ted Thompson lost his fastball big time at some point? I think it's a significant part. I mean, frankly, the the time that Mike McCarthy in the last, you know, four years has been closest with Rodgers was when they were both really frustrated with Ted in like 15, 16. You know, the old saying of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Uh, I'm not sure that Ted rose to the level of enemy, but they were certainly very frustrated with him. And look, this is, uh, you know, another aspect of this that uh, is is part of the issue and, is hard for me because, you know, you say uh, lost his fastball. Um, I think that, you know, I've used that same euphemism for uh, he's had some health issues and there was real dysfunction in the front office. Um, Health issues that have not come fully to light because no one will talk about it on the record and I don't feel comfortable uh, writing about someone's private health problems using anonymous sources. but there, that led to a, a leadership void for one, like no GM. You know, do you think Ron Wolf would have allowed this to go on with his coach and his quarterback? Like he would have said, you guys get the hell in a room and we're going to figure this out because we have more championships to win. Um, Mark Murphy didn't do that either. And so that allowed those issues to just increase. 
But I do think whether it's personnel that prevented them from having better players or having that strong personality, not that Ted was ever a strong personality, but having that person to say, all right, you guys, we need to work this out. Enough of this crap. Uh, You guys need to figure this out. And Ted wasn't in that position to do that. Talking with Jason Wilde, ESPN Wisconsin. Uh, if you go to their website, you can see the sit-down with Aaron Rodgers in which he reacts to the uh, Bleacher Report story that we've been discussing. Uh, now, Jason, Matt LaFleur walks into this uh, bee's nest and has to build up a rapport with Aaron Rodgers, and he has to put in a new offense that is uh, maybe going to ask a lot more of people than Mike McCarthy's. What has been uh, the reaction to the hiring of Matt LaFleur, somebody who really wasn't like the hot name or on everybody's radar, and now somebody that has to manage Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you know, I I, I understand the narrative that has come out of this too, right? He was a problem for McCarthy, so he's going to be a problem for LaFleur. That could be true. I'm not going to say that it's not. Um but I don't think it is. I think it's going to go the other direction. I think he was so frustrated and in need of a change that he is going to be revitalized by a new offense and new ideas and a person closer to his age uh, and someone who, by all accounts, is a very earnest person. He is not the most charismatic, but he is definitely earnest and very positive. Um, I think the, you know, we talked to Rogers the day, the, the day of their first off season workout. And of course everybody feels great, right? Your body feels great. It's like kind of the first day back at school where you don't really want to work, but you're excited to see your buddies. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a good chance and I use this comparison all the time and I don't know if it'll work out as well as this one did, but John Elway and Dan Reeves had reached a similar point as Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. This is a little bit of a history lesson for your younger listeners. And This is Elway AM, Jason. We don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, just, so, just, just say it and just, they know. Uh, just, They're just, like Elway and Reeves, yeah. All right, sorry, just continue. <laughs> Dynamite drop-in, Monty. Um, so he, you know, those two had really had issues, and so the, the, the Broncos decide we need a change bring in a young head coach. Now he act, he had at least Mike Shanahan had at least been a head coach before briefly in Oakland. Um, but he was a young, innovative offensive mind uh, who loved to run the football, by the way. And they went and won a couple of back-to-back Super Bowls, including beating the Packers in Super Bowl 32 as a 12 point underdog. Um, this you know, Matt LaFleur is a descendant of, Mike Shanahan, like he worked with Mike Shanahan's son. He was on Mike Shanahan's staff as the quarterback's coach when he, Sean McVay, and Kyle Shanahan were all on that staff in Washington in 2010 through 2013. I mean, there are some parallels here. And while Brett Favre in his time with the Packers didn't get that next coach after Mike Holmgren left and maybe had coaches, as Judd remembers from covering the team, who let him do whatever he wanted? Yeah. Um, there's a ch- maybe there's a chance that Matt Lafleur is Mike Shanahan to Aaron Rodgers, John Elway here. 
Jason, beyond the quarterback and coach here, um, we we go back, because we're old, to a time period when the Packers were incredibly dysfunctional because of structure. And that lasted for a long, long time, and then Wolf came in in the early 90s, and, and it completely changed. And from the, basically then through the time uh, that you covered them, they have been or were incredibly well run. But my question is this. Beyond Aaron... And beyond the coach, what do you see as far as as how this franchise is currently run? Because it does feel like through all these stories and through all the things we, we've heard that it's slipping back. And if this slips back, that could, when Aaron is done at least, be really bad news for a franchise that Wolf had to, had to get back on track himself a long time ago. Yeah, I think the, the question with Mark Murphy is, you know, there, there's, a, there's a division on him. There are people who believe, look, here's a guy in the power structure who has different experience than any other um, owner, because that's kind of what he is as the team president, than any other owner in the league, right? He played in the league. He was on the NFLPA side. He is on the competition committee. He is a close ally of the commissioner. Uh, He has seen football through a different prism than most owners have. So maybe he's uniquely qualified at the same time. I think there are those that look at him and go, he's not a football guy. He played in the NFL, but he's not a scout. He's not, he doesn't have the GM skills. And, you know, the claim is, is that by having their cap guy, um, Russ Ball, their head coach, Matt LaFleur, and their general manager, Brian Gutekunst, all report to him that that's not an unusual structure. That's that's the case with a lot of teams. Well, yeah, they all report to the owner, and he's not really the owner. He's the team president. So I, I don't know if it's as big of an issue as maybe we look at it as, but I did have a, a very uh, testy exchange with Mark Murphy during the introductory press conference, um, or, maybe, or maybe it was the, uh, the announcement that, no, it's the introductory press conference. So Mark, Mark Murphy's sitting there, and his new coach and his GM are both sitting there. And I said, you know, what makes you the most qualified to find the right coach? Like, you realize why we're asking all these questions about the structure, right? Because when uh, the structure was the GM made all the decisions, you guys won two Super Bowls. And when the structure was the team president had a lot of say, you guys wandered in the wilderness for a long time. And, you know, he rattled off his resume and all the things that he has going for him. But, Judd, you're right. We're going to see because he definitely has taken on a much more significant role than Bob Harlan did when he was the president. Hey, Jason, one last thing before we let you go. Uh, do, do, do you know the team has a defense? Like, uh, I don't know if you've talked about the defense at all, like, or if the, it's been discussed. They do, yeah. Uh, they've, got, yeah. They've, they've got one. Okay, all right. Um, and they added to that defense, and this is this has been my uh, offseason hot take, is don't overlook the fact that they added two really good pass rushers and uh, the Vikings are not the most stable team at tackle. I, I think it's really significant that Mike Pettin is going to have a second year here with everyone in his system and a lot of talent being built up there with Jair Alexander and now these two guys that they bring in, um, Preston and Zadarius Smith. What's the outlook there? Because I think that that could be a huge difference maker for this team on the whole, even though all the attention will be on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know, as an avid uh, Score North streamer, um, 
I've listened to some of these discussions, and you have had some hot takes uh, all off season. Uh, I think that my favorite was the day that I listened, and despite having two really, really good wide receivers, you were uh, politicking for adding uh, Antonio Brown. I'll fight to the death uh, on that one. one I know you will. This is the um, team that had Jake Reed as their number three wide receiver. Jason, remember what was the result of that? Lots of points. Yeah, he was. That was that was pretty good. Yeah, that, that was pretty that's, good. That's a heck of a third third wide. Yeah, yeah. and um, I remember those receivers yeah, guess, for the Vikings being kind of divas. Do you remember that at all? Like Randy Moss. Uh, I I think he was a bit of a diva. I do. Yeah. It, what, what were you like eight? What I mean, I had video games. I I would have been like, let's see, maybe uh, 12, 13. It was a terrible idea. Let's move it on. It was not a it's terrible over. idea. It's Can, over. It's it, done. If you like, I, Let Will answer J- the question. Jason, the top four teams in scoring made the championship games. 19th isn't going to fly. But, but, but go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, on the defense of the Packers. Hey, he's, he's, he's researched his hot takes, Judd. He's definitely I, researched. I appreciate you streaming, um, and people right. can go to scorenorth.com. I was going to say, <laughs> why are you streaming? old man you should be out there with, with the big rabbit ears outside your green bay estate trying to pick up 1500 uh i have uh i, I enjoy uh i think chip, chip goggins was on that day too um all right so to answer the question before you let me go um the uh the, yes they have added to the defense now have they added the right pieces you know you listen to some bears analysts and and they don't have high praise for adrian amos who is their new safety that they took from the bears in free agency look they had to do something they have holes in their roster they had to be active in free agency they didn't have a choice and they paid a pretty penny for the two smiths and uh we were talking to rogers after we shut off the headphones and the microphones and he said Zadarius smith really made an impression on him in the first day now that's one day they haven't had pads on they haven't even practiced football yet but um, they have to be right uh, on those guys, and they have to be better defensively. I do agree that keeping Mike Pettin, much like uh, keeping Vic Fangio for Matt Nagy in Chicago, could turn out to be a huge win for these guys. But, yes, they have to play better defensively. And, you know, I understand that maybe a few guys left that purple defense up by you guys, but that's still a hell of a defense, too, and somehow managed to uh, keep – Anthony Barr on top of it, who I think a lot of Packers fans thought, hey, it would be great to see him switch sides on the on the rivalry. So that you have to be able to play defense in this division with Khalil Mack and everything that, that the Vikings have on defense. And the Packers need to catch up. Uh, they can't just say, well, we've got the best quarterback in the division. And I still think they do, by the way. All right, uh, J- Jason. And, and, he played on, and he played on a broken leg. Jason, if you um, ever want to just argue with me about my hot takes on the show, if you're streaming, just uh, call in 651-646-8255. You can do that if you want. Um, uh, Always uh, appreciate the time. Awesome stuff. People can listen to your interview with uh, Aaron Rodgers on the ESPN Wisconsin website. Is that just ESPNWisconsin.com? What's your website? It is, and it's also available on the ESPN app if they want to listen uh, live, if they have reached a point with your hot takes that they want to listen. <laughs> they might want to go to Packer coverage. All right, okay, Thanks, well, Will, that's, that's enough. All right, Thanks, Jason. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Appreciate your time, buddy. All right, guys. Stay out of the family. Take care. Be good. Bye-bye. There's a lot there. Um, a lot to unpack. 
Well, I I think the bigger I think the I'll sto- still go back and fight anybody. I think on the story the Brown I think the story Packers wise that we are not talking about is the fact that, that I don't know that this franchise is being run correctly and it was not for a long time and that can doom them. Definitely. Like when you don't yeah, have a definitely. decision maker or if the if the person goes rogue, you got a big problem. It took Ron Wolf a lot to get that franchise back and that franchise for years was a mess. Judd, I have ranked the Vikings draft needs by position. So I'm going to go down my rankings. Are you going to give me cornerback first? And you when we can get back? T- no, it is not first. I promise. Okay, but you God. can tell me when to stop. So I'll start. I'll start going <laughs> I'll down my you, rankings, and then you can tell me when you think that I'm wrong. Right. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team. They're your health family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family, in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. Step up your health care game. Find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. And if you look at the Vikings cornerbacks group, over the last couple of years, it hasn't been good. Um, you know, Holton Hill was the second best graded cornerback on the team last season. Um, okay, and far fewer snaps than some some other guys, but they ha- they're not in a good position at cornerback despite big money tied up in, in Xavier Rhodes and the first round pick um, tied to Trey Waynes. And you know, this is a team that could easily upgrade a cornerback. And if the right guy is there at 18, I don't think it's a bad position to, again, try and upgrade at that spot. So, You heard it, Zolgad. That's Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus talking about the possibility of the Minnesota Vikings. Zimmer got to him. That's what selecting. happens in all these cases. Zimmer got to him. <laughs> Zimmer somehow, there, there's something out there. Sam's afraid? Sam's got to say that Sam, now. Sam is not afraid. What Sam's take is a little bit different um, because... People get frustrated with the Vikings taking cornerbacks all the time, I think because they've just done it almost every year. But Sam's argument is, look, you may think that they have depth here, but the players that they have aren't really that outstanding if you factor in that Xavier Rhodes had a down year and has always committed a ton of penalties, that Trey Waynes has just been an average player, that Mackenzie Alexander has one half of one good season in three, lot, in three years. They've got a lot of players. That Holton Hill uh, has his four-game suspension. <laughs> don't know that, yeah. And Mike Hughes is coming off an yep. injury and is not proven at all. Yep. And when you look at it from that perspective, it feels a lot different. So Sam Monson did a... Draft simulation where he took a cornerback in the first round, Greedy Williams, who's a really tremendous prospect from LSU, mm-hmm. just to see what it would look like. And then he took uh, um, 
Elgton Jenkins in the second, and Caleb McGarry in the third. So two offensive linemen, second and third. And the Vikings have two of their starting offensive linemen, Pat Elfline and Brian O'Neill, both of whom they still feel good about. Elfline had a down year, but they, they feel he's going to bounce back. That's a second round and a third round pick with O'Neill and Elfline. And if they were to take two offensive linemen in the second and third, then they could do something like this. But it would drive people absolutely crazy. I think when you do the draft, you don't do it for filling needs in 2019. That's how you would do it on a video game. But in real life, you can't really do that. You can't go in and say, oh, well, we need this. So we've just got to take this right now. Like, because we need it filled for 2019. But here's the discussion. And, and, here's, and here's the uh, problem then. Is I've always said this because... Prior to uh, Mike being hired here, and when when Rick was helping Brad run the draft, they would try and get away with taking corners in the third round or, or after. And I always said, you're not going to find those guys consistently. They're not going to be starters. And so they took their Asher Allens and Marcus McCauley's, and guess what? They blew up. They weren't good. I have no problem with taking corners in the first first couple rounds. In fact, I think it's actually very smart. My problem, though, is then how do you go back to the people that own this team and explain the explain the fact that you have allowed positions to erode? That's on you. That's on you, Rick. So, and their problem too is this: there's no guarantee for Rick and Mike that they're going to be employed beyond 2019 at the rate things are, are going. So, yes, ideally, you would say what Rick will tell you guys in a week or so at your at his press conference, which is we always draft best player available because that's the smart thing. But the reality is, he and Mike have to look at this as well and say, if we want to keep our jobs and have success beyond 2019, do we really allow offensive line to go? And then and then I'll throw this curveball, too, because uh, we talked about this on the show on Monday. And this is now the latest problem. You've got to create cap space. And I understand you can redo Hunter's contract, but Rudolph's contract makes the most sense to let go. Like that's the that's a seven million dollar no penalty. It's gone, and you are in decent, not great shape. So, do you now address the tight end position in the first or second round with the intention of jettisoning Kyle's contract? Because you can't go into uh, 2019 with your current depth chart at tight end without Kyle. But it makes a whole lot of sense to get that contract off your books. You've you've painted yourself into a real corner here, and it's really largely your fault. I would be very surprised if Kyle Rudolph wasn't on the roster next year, but he is a guy who you could get a second-round pick for, potentially, if you wanted to trade him. Uh, Cutting him, I mean, I I feel like cutting him wouldn't make much sense because you could get okay, something back him. for him, on, him on draft night sure, if you absolutely. wanted to do that. And the Patriots are a team that is in need of a tight end and is known for trading draft picks to get actual players. It's one of the things that I think the Patriots are smart in doing when they'll send a fifth-round pick for whoever. And you'll be like, oh, well, uh, that guy's got some risk that goes along with him. Right, but what were the chances the fifth-round pick actually becomes something? You'd rather just take someone's player that they don't want. And in this case, the Vikings do have kind of a desperate situation. They've also had Noah Fant into the building. He's a tight end for Iowa that's a potential high draft pick. It's just something is getting ignored here. And I don't know what it's going to be, but it's got to be something. It's If you don't draft a tight end, then you've got your tight end 
taking up a lot of cap space and going into the final year of his deal. If you don't take a cornerback in the first three rounds, then your future at cornerback is really wobbly there because you don't know what you have in Hughes. You don't know if Alexander is going to resign. Trey Wayans is very likely gone because someone will overpay him, and you don't know what you're getting from Xavier Rhodes after the age of 30. That becomes very tricky there. Um, at uh, the offensive line, you have to come away with at least one, but probably realistically, if you could, you'd want two of the first three picks because of how weak you are on the line. And you don't know if Josh Klein is going to be a perfect scheme fit or if he's going to play like he did last year with I th- Tennessee. I think right now, if you look at the construction of the line, not knowing who the left guard is going to be, the only two guys that I'm probably very comfortable with as we speak right now Elfline, who I think is going to bounce back and be absolutely fine and be a good scheme fit there, and right tackle. Left tackle, I'm not positive on. I think that O'Neal and Elfline are going to be good fits. And beyond that, I'm not quite sure. And Reef has been injured. He was dinged up last year, tried to play through a foot injury. That hurt him, and then he missed some games as well. But put yourself, put yourself now in their shoes, and especially Spielman's, and answer me this. You know that there's a chance that if things don't go well... You don't have a job beyond next year. So what do you do based on on that? Because that's what he's going to have to do. Like, he's not going to be thinking, well, for the good of this organization, when Joe blows the GM in 2024, (laughs) I'm going to do this. So answer me this. As a football guy, what do you do knowing that if you don't do the right thing for yourself here, you're probably gone? See, this is where I think, though, that if you're relying on your top pick to... Make an impact. Like, if you don't already have 98% of your team figured out by right now and your projection figured out for next season right now, then you're being foolish to hope that uh, some draft pick is really going to change everything unless it's the third or fourth or fifth or sixth overall pick, but this is the 18th overall pick. And if we pull up our draft history here, Sometimes I have to talk at the same time that I type like what I'm typing or I'll type something stupid. But if we uh, type in to Google Vikings draft history, as I just did, and let's go through whether the first pick that they took made a big impact in year one. This is just goes to the point of counting on players to make that impact. I understand. Mike Hughes injured, right? Delvin Cook injured. Laquan Treadwell, not good. Lost, yes. Trey Waynes didn't play. Anthony Barr, good. So the last time and that's that eighth pick, right? Ninth pick. Ninth pick. The last traded. time someone made a year one impact, and Teddy yes. Bridgewater was a first round pick too, was then. I mean, even go back to Xavier Rhodes, not much of an impact in 2013. Yep. Shree Floyd, pretty good. Yep. Cordero Patterson, a little bit in 2013. Give, give me the last but, time that they addressed O line early in the draft. First, because they addressed it in 2009, they took Lodeholt in the second round, I believe, after Percy, and I think he started at right tackle immediately. And and Khalil, Khalil, right? Khalil and, was really yeah, good in his first, first year. year. That's right. He didn't yeah. turn out to be, but again, that's the fourth overall pick. I'm sensing a trend here yep. <laughs> that when someone makes a huge impact right away, they're probably a top draft pick. And But do they have it, a choice? No, they don't to, to draft someone who's going to have to start on the offensive line. And then you hope that that player can hold his own and develop into a really good player. And, and of course, it's a huge need for now and the future and the offensive line. So we all agree offensive line is number one. And for my list... Tackle and guard are number one and two for draft needs by position. I have then tight end, cornerback, and wide receiver as the next three. And those are all looking down the road. Receiver, someone could make an impact right away if it's a it's a first or second round pick as a number three. Yeah. But I'm looking 
at next year when Waynes, Alexander, Rudolph are free agents, you're still going to have that big cap hit for Kirk Cousins. Somebody's going to have to step in and be a player there who is on a rookie contract. And Zim is going to try and sneak safety in somewhere there. I guarantee that. Yeah, He's yeah. going to try and do that. But, yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I think... I completely agree with your philosophy that you don't want to have to take that 18th pick and address an immediate need and count on that. I just don't see a way around that. I don't see. So I think if you went offensive line, you said cornerback then, correct? And tight end. I think that that's about right. And I think the one thing that people have to be prepared for is to be a little bit surprised and to see that that at tight end, there might be a, a change there. I'm with you. I'm not buying it's as simple as the Vikings forgot to go to Kyle and ask for an extension as the lights go on and off here. It's Zimmer. I told you. He doesn't like the course of the conversation, and they killed the lights in our studio. <laughs> I was, I you was see, and that's, and, and you I, think Sam Munson is just thinking for himself. See, I was going to say, like, is God trying to tell us that they're going to draft a cornerback? Like, is it's that the what Rudolph just, family. Is that what just it's happened? It's the Rudolph and Zuckers. They're very upset <laughs> at my hot takes about the fact they might be traded or cut. Well, I mean, with Kyle, I'm not so sure that he would be angry to go to the Patriots if that's what happened, right? I mean, would you oh. if you got to go play I just don't buy with Tom the, Brady for a year? I just don't buy the story that, well, the Vikings didn't approach me and uh, I was really shocked by that. Right. It, that's yeah. too simple. Yeah, that, And the well, Vikings aren't... The Vikings do some questionable and sometimes we, we might consider them dumb things, but they're very well run from a contractual standpoint. And I've never bought the... They didn't come to me, I promise. Right. Like... Yes, they did. It's like Rob Brzezinski didn't think to himself, oh my gosh, you know what we should have done? We should have gone to Kyle Rudolph, and I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, Kyle who? What well, <laughs> like, a rough day. I got to go home, take right, some aspirin. Right, right, right. Uh, he's just, he's on Twitter, and he's like, wait, someone on Twitter says Kyle Rudolph has a $7 million cap hit? <laughs> no, I don't I don't think he forgot about that. Um, so I, I've got tackle guard, tight end, corner, wide receiver, Wide receiver might be one of those where someone slips into the third. And, and are you saying tackle or guard? Yeah, tackle so, so or you're guard. Saying I, put ta- line. I put tackle number one. Okay, Tackle, right. to me, gotcha. aside from quarterback, is the most important position on the field. Gotcha. So I, I think that you know tackle is there. But wide receiver, this is an argument all the time about receiver. And Diggs and Thielen, okay, they have this best duo in the league. Right, I, I get that, but beyond that, it's not just a little bit of a dip to the number three. That is off the side of the Grand Canyon to number three, yep. and every defense in the division, and probably the entire league, knows that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need somebody else who's a playmaker for a wide receiver. So after that, this one gets debated by people on Twitter, which I always appreciate, um, with no sarcasm, like it's fun to talk about these things. Defensive tackle and then safety. Defensive tackle might be just one where you have to let it be, as it is this year, that you're not going to be able to fix for this year. There's just not enough draft picks, and there's not any money to bring back anybody. I mean, Tom Johnson might take a cheap deal if he can't get any other job. Safety is an interesting position. You brought that up of Zimmer wanting it, and um, we have asked for a long time what it would be like if there was a dynamic player next to Harrison Smith. Uh, Anthony Harris is a is a good player. He's a very very smart player. I think that's what that requires. If you play next to Harrison Smith, is just are you really smart? Check yes. Okay, you can play next to Harrison Smith, but not like dynamic. Not this huge playmaker or someone that the other team has to factor for. Sure. So you still you're good on those. You, you I'm, oh those? absolutely fine. Yes. Uh, after that, 
running back, defensive end, quarterback, uh, center, linebacker, and then special teams. So I have linebacker. And, and do as, you take as last. a quarterback in, in this draft, or do you not take one, one guy? Will one Greer. guy I would take, and that is correct, Manny. That is Will Greer. Okay. Because Will Greer is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football. Sure. He was a guy that was talked about as the potential number one overall pick, and then he had a Heisman caliber year and isn't in the conversation anymore. Like, he's a little older. That's why I think it's because he's 24. But he's not like, you know, Brandon Weed. Oh, 24. Yeah. No, yeah, I wouldn't take him. Bad. No way. Too, way too old for me. All right. So uh, we'll take a quick break here. You, so you're pretty good on the list? Yeah, I'm fine the with the list. Part? Yes, okay, you I can, think the list makes perfect you, sense. You can see the analysis at uh, scorenorth.com. And we'll take a, a quick break. I realized how long we went. Maybe that, like when the lights went out, it threw me off. I think, was, I think the first one went long with Jason. <laughs> I think we went, we went long on the Packers talk. Okay, so we'll wrap it up when we come back. You're listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. You're listening to Purple Daily on Score North. Compete against Score North personalities and win great prizes courtesy of Craigens on Gull Lake, Parway Golf, and Chill Boys with Majors Fantasy Golf. Sign up right now at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. Thank you, Manny. Back here on Purple Daily, Kyler Murray is one of 23 players who will be at the draft this year, Judd. I would like you to tell me, do you have a favorite draft night Story from your time covering the Vikings and Packers. Um, the most interesting had to be watching Aaron free fall through the 2005 draft and be in that green room. And that, but it was so weird about that. And what I, I contend to this day could never happen again was the 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 assumption, yet not knowing that uh, Smith or or Rogers were was going to go first. So like the talk was, one of these guys is going to go first. We're not sure who San Francisco is going to take. And what was so interesting about that was, sure enough, it happened. But then the other guy falls into the 20s. So the bizarreness of watching this guy who knows I might go first, but if I don't go first, I have no idea who takes me or where. Because think about that now. If there's talk about two QBs, right, and one is the number one pick, but you're not quite sure which, well, now somebody inevitably trades up to two to take the second player. Aaron Rodgers would go two now. Yeah, Three at the latest, right? Yep. So I would say watching this guy and, and being and covering that draft from the Packers angle, watching that thing unfold and this guy just fall and fall and fall. And by the time he gets to you, he's just crestfallen. Think about, I, I just pulled up that draft too. The Dolphins had the second pick in that draft. <laughs> you know who they took? Ronnie Brown. Well, look a at running back. Yeah, you wouldn't be running you would back. Not, no, you would not Auburn. be doing that and now. Go through, for sure. go through like the top ten picks of that draft, and as I recall, that draft was underwhelming. And that hmm. two th- that two thousand five Dolphins team, and we love both of these guys. They're both friends of this show. The quarterbacks and the Dolphins from two thousand five. Our guy Gus Verrett. And our guy, Sage Rosenfeld. That's hilarious that the, yeah, the we, we can say the Dolphins 05 quarterbacks are friend of our show. Friends of our show. That's funny. Um so I'm I'm really interested to see though if there's someone who shocks us here. The guy that I think could be like that is Dwayne Haskins. He's got big numbers at Ohio State, but it seems the longer we go on here that the more people sort of scrutinize his game and look at him as a potential NFL starter, but without the special 
type of skill. Like he's not a playmaker. He's more of a like execute your offense type guy. He doesn't have a rocket arm, but he is accurate if you're open. And some of these things he's been compared to Kirk Cousins, but like Kirk Cousins has had to maximize every ounce of skill in his body to be Kirk Cousins. That's the thing when people give me a hard time about criticizing Kirk Cousins. Like if you go back to him being drafted and what he did in college, what he's been able to do with the talent that he has naturally is really amazing to be the highest paid or one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. He's had to work the hardest. He's had to study the hardest. He's had to be a freak when it comes to his body and all these sorts of things to be the quarterback that he is. You can't count on somebody doing that. That's why you usually look for like an athletic type of ceiling. Like what's his natural skill and can we get him to his ceiling rather than we'll take a guy with the fourth or fifth overall pick and then his ceiling is only okay and he's got to do everything in the world to get there you don't know if everyone's going to work as hard as Kirk Cousins or be as smart as Kirk Cousins about football and on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if Dwayne Haskins ends up being that guy who slips a little bit, and it wouldn't even shock me if this is a year that's an outlier where Murray is taken at the top. I'm not certain still that it's number one, but he's taken at the top, and then we see a big gap before the next quarterback is taken. What are the Giants doing? Because they they were the original Haskins mock team, yeah, and then they you know they've basically they're they're either and this wouldn't be shocking they're either lying and trying to distance themselves from him so they can take him, or they really have a plan that I don't know what that plan is. All right, let me see if I can figure this out because I wonder if the Arizona Cardinals are playing coy here with. They wouldn't let Josh Rosen talk to the media at their offseason workouts, you know, just things like that. So the New York Giants have two first round picks and they have two fourth rounds, two, three fifth round picks. So they've got a lot of draft picks for the Giants. They've got a GM who's a bit of a wild card in Gettleman. Yes. I'm not a huge fan. I wouldn't be stunned Mm -hmm. if the New York Giants traded six, 17, a fourth, and even next year's first to move up to take Kyler Murray, and if the Arizona Cardinals stuck with Josh Rosen. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you get the number 6 pick, you get probably an elite defensive player, or maybe even you take the, the top tight end if you want to. TJ Hawkinson has been so up at the are, top are of draft Are you boards. not buying that Kingsbury is truly in love with Kyler Murray? I'm, I'm thinking that if someone wows them enough with that, that they would take that risk. And you're right about Gettleman um, being a guy who is a bit of a wild card, but also has the draft capital to do it. Like yeah. there are very few teams that have the Raiders could do it. The giants could do it, but there's very few teams that have enough draft picks and multiple first rounders to be able to get to number one. Cause I think you got to give them yours, uh, both in the first round and something from next year, mm-hmm. probably to get Kyler Murray. But if the giants did that, all of a sudden they would look like they were really going in the right direction, despite all the criticism for trading Odell Beckham if they were able to move up and take Kyler Murray, and then he sat for a year behind Eli, just like Pat Mahomes did with Alex Smith, that would make a lot of sense to me for the Giants to do that. Because I think if you're not drafting Kyler Murray in this draft, your chances of getting a franchise quarterback are very low. How good do you think ultimately Kyler Murray is going to be? I think Kyler Murray has the potential to be one of the most valuable quarterbacks in the NFL. Is he Mahomes? What is 
What's the comp? Because I feel like well, I feel like the see, league I've never is seen saying, a quarterback like him. I feel like the league is saying, look at what the Chiefs did. Let's do do that. And the only thing that I really like about that template is I love the idea of taking a quarterback and sitting him and allowing him to learn. I think that is I this whole thing of a first round pick has to play at quarterback to me is no, slow it down for him. Let him learn. Yeah. Let him yeah, adjust. Yeah. Well, and he's only got one year as a starter. And that, to me, makes it for sure that he needs to sit for the first season unless it's somebody who's just desperate for the ticket sales because you want to come see Kyle Murray. Again, the worst thing you can possibly do. I I totally agree. And, you know, some guys have battled through it. I saw Daniel Jeremiah tweeted out first year versus second year for the most recent quarterbacks that were drafted, and their quarterback rating shoots up by 15 points. Wentz was bad his first year. Outside of a couple of games, Trubisky was horrible his first year, and all these guys took their big steps. I he's not he's not like Pat Mahomes because I don't think anybody has that arm, and that includes the ability to just make tight window throws, the accuracy, the arm strength. I don't think anybody's got that in the entire NFL. I think he's number one. Him and Aaron Rodgers, if Rodgers still has the same arm strength, are number one in one A in the NFL for arm. So I don't think it's quite that, but it's strong. Mm-hmm. He has the quickness and running ability that is only a shade below Michael Vick. Like when you watch him in college, just dance around people, his explosiveness, and he can throw from the pocket. That Really, the only thing about the guy is that he's only got one season as a starter and he's just not very tall. But aside from that, He's an incredible prospect from a skills perspective and a production perspective. From If you look at the pro football focus grades, he's the only player I've ever seen at quarterback who is a well above average grade at every single category. Accuracy, running ability, uh, you know, all the things that they grade. Big time throws into tight windows. I mean, he's an incredible prospect. And if you're the Giants, I think you give up a lot to have him. I bet and the then, Cardinals take him. I bet Kingsbury takes him. And that's the thing about the Cardinals is I he might just be too good of a prospect to, to turn down. It, like, he is a better well, King, prospect Kingsbury, than Josh Rosen. Kingsbury can now pick who he attaches himself to. With Josh, he gets just gets the, the QB, right. and he's not a bad quarterback. That's right. But this will allow, if when Kingsbury took that job, I would not be surprised if the discussion went, you've got to take this kid, because if you do, I'm tied to, to him. And if you want me to be Sean McVay, then give me a quarterback. Yeah. And uh, now with that, that's a tricky situation, though, because you're still putting a guy in a spot where he doesn't have a good team. They can't take Kyler Murray and fix their offensive line and get more receivers. And, you know, you can only scheme so much. Well, yeah, my temptation would be to get a veteran quarterback and allow that guy to get beat up for me. Yep. Well, Ryan Fitzpatrick's already taken, but he would have been my choice. So, <laughs> I, But I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I think if someone goes absolutely berserk and offers them the world, that they'll take it. So... All right, fun Purple Daily Show. If you missed any of Jason Wilde on the Aaron Rodgers report from last week, that was really interesting. Uh, go download on iTunes, go to Score North Vikings or scorenorth.com, and uh, I'll be back for Score North Live in an hour. Score you're going to talk baseball? Score North Twin Show with Wetmore is up next. All right, excellent. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.